Welcome to Grit, Guts, and Determination, the Leadville Race Series podcast, and your authority on all things Leadville. I'm your host, Cole Clover, son of race founder, Ken Clover. We want to take you on a journey of storytelling of our now 38-year rich history. We also then want to follow that up with tricks and tips that will get you to that line come August and let our community members have a little say in that too. So sit back, enjoy, and we'll see you this summer. We'll see you at home in Leadville. Leadville family, we've got a real special one for you today. Today's episode was with Tamara Jenlink. She's very passionate about the outdoors, mental health, and most of all, Leadville. And more than that, she's also your new Leadville Race Series director. But before you get to hear about that, you're going to hear about her story's trail side that got her to that point in life. So sit back and enjoy. Well, Tamara, I have a typical question I ask our guests, um, and so I'm going to give it to you as well. We have a saying in Leadville, you don't find Leadville, Leadville finds you. When did Leadville find you? <laughs> That's such a great question, Cole, and it's it's one that I've thought about a lot in terms of how much I've been in and out of Leadville since I was actually probably six, seven years old and had an affinity, a love for and an enjoyment around Leadville from the beginning. It's been a heart space. Um, and certainly, you know, I think where it really developed, interestingly enough, I led part of my background is having done a lot of national and international guiding. So I've brought a lot of young groups and, and individuals up here to do some training for big out of country um, events or out of country um, expeditions. So, I've kind of found my way in and out of here and probably in 10 years ago or so I started actually coming more specifically because of the race series and spending more time around the race series. And I think my first race, um, I'm trying to even remember what year it was, but I did have an opportunity to start to spend more time and look at it through that lens of all of the back country in a different way. I've been looking at it through a guiding way. So um, I think right in that, that kind of arena, what stood out and what began to really take hold of me were, were the humans involved in Mudville. And so I had a, a very strong affinity with the community from, the, from, from that time forward. And, and I think, you know, in the last three years, that has just solidly kind of built and built and built to the place where I could be here more permanently. And it's this very interesting symbiotic. I'm a person who comes from the background of, um, Relationships are really important and not just coming to a place, but feeling like you're welcomed in a place. And that symbiosis has been there from the get-go. And it's not one I can actually explain to tell you the truth. It's just happened and it's been very magical. So Leadville is my love, my home, and my heart spot. Well, that's a very great way of explaining it. I mean, it's become so much of a heart spot now. You've recently moved and called Leadville home. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? You know, yeah, I, I um, was really able to begin to make that migration in the last few years and to make it more permanent. And um, it, it, a very interesting story about that. <laughs> Since I was young, young in my young being early 20s, maybe 1920, 
I've had a vision of having a space um, on the land that is community-based, um, that has some offering into the community that I'm in. And in the last few years, I've been up here, um, three years ago, I think it was, I was out on a mountain bike ride. As I like to do, I like to sort of piece together things. So I was looking at how I could get to Weston Pass through some back roads and back paths, you know, back single track, whatever I could piece together. Uh-huh. And I dropped down into a location just above Beaver Lake Estates and instantly fell in love with the location. And it's quite a story of how I ended up um, coming into <laughs> the ability to be on that property. I would later go home and look it up because it was for sale. I dropped in like, my God, this is an incredible space. This is like this gorgeous house in the middle of nowhere in the Empire Valley. Here you got West Sheridan behind it, all these things that match up with who I am. And I was right in that space of um, where do I live in Lyville? Like, I want to be here. My community is here now. I've fallen in love beyond what I could imagine. So where is my space? And I, on my mountain bike, of course, drop into this space that is magical as it can be as well. And I'm like, no way. You know, I see this for sale sign. I feel like I'm in the middle of nowhere. And I look it up and I discover, geez, it's way out of my budget, way out of my you know, comfort zone financially. And even that, you know, coming back to the last question, somehow there was some symbiosis that brought that relationship together. The folks who owned the property had been hoping that it would be developed into a retreat area. I was really from that young time in my life had kind of envisioned something that I would become a part of that was bigger than me. And I instantly saw it right there in that location. And began to think about how we could start to create that and then met the people. And so symbiosis took over and here I am living on this gorgeous piece of property above Beaver Lake Estates about five miles south or, you know, when I ride my bike from town the back way, you know, five or six miles into town, which is really, really fantastic. So um, it's all been a little just like pinch me. Is it, is it all happening? And, you know, it really goes back to that idea of, I feel welcomed and I am welcoming everything that comes in my path here. So it's been pretty precious. Well, it is pretty funny how we tend to end up where we belong, isn't it? A hundred percent. And I think if we let go of some of the uh, controlling of things and actually stay in the fluidity, it's pretty, pretty powerful what happens. So um, it's been an awesome journey so far. Well, good. That's what we all love to hear. Now, and I have you on here for a few reasons, but I initially wanted you on here today more about your mountain biking past history and skills, uh, both with Leadville and the Leadville Race Series. Um, but there's plenty of other things I want to talk to you about as well. But let's start there. Let's talk about when you found mountain biking and then what, what that journey was like that led you back to Leadville again. That's funny, Cole. I got asked this question by the local paper recently. Um, they were doing some summer edition guiding pieces, and one of the questions was, what's your first memory of a bike? And I actually didn't have it right on, off the cuff, and then I got off the phone with the guy, and I go, oh, my gosh, you know, my first memory was the very first bike I had was some old kind of version of a townie in the 1970s. And I think it was red and it had like the streamers off the handlebars. Perfect. And I was so awesomely in love with that bike and just like, oh my gosh. And what it was, was this sort of symbol of freedom. You know, I think about being five years old, six years old, seven years old. And my friends and I, literally, you can picture the ET moment where the kids are riding on their bikes, right? In the movie. 
in the in the backwoods or whatever. And that was us. And it was this complete symbol of of freedom. And so it's funny, like we didn't consider it mountain biking, but what's really humorous about it, here we are in these townies out in these dirt roads, you know, these <laughs> whatever we could find in the backwoods to ride around. And we even had these really awesome hills that we love to go up and down. And so that memory came back to me and I'm like, wow, you know, I didn't start racing like that kind of mountain biking until maybe 11 years ago, 12 years ago. And that's all due to some pretty awesome people down in, in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I had been living there for a little bit and doing a bunch of programming down there. Again, some, some business stuff that I had put together, doing some programs for the schools. And then in the side, I was guiding and doing some international and national guiding. And I had a few programs that I did with the kids. And one of these families is like, you got to come do one of these races with us. And so here I am, go to my first 24-hour race, which was 24 hours in the Enchanted Forest, very first race I'd ever done. I didn't compete as a kid. I wasn't, like I ran track and field and always, you know, enjoyed being outside, but I was never competitive. And I got to one of these races with, with these guys and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. And what was interesting about it is I think it was that same feeling of being free on the bike, you know, with my friends in the woods and being a part of a team doing something because, of course, at that moment, I hadn't gone full endurance. I was <laughs> really just kind of touching the, the iceberg on that and getting to play with my friends on those on those races. And that was kind of my initial introduction to something that, you know, then became a little more serious and a little more, oh, I might actually train. I might do some other things here. So, you know, it goes back to being a kid with that red bike and those streamers coming off the handlebars. And then, you know, as I started to play, at that point, I, climbing, rock climbing had been the focus of my world for 15 years. And I lived and died by rock climbing and did a lot of work around it metaphorically with people, um, team building stuff, all kinds of things, but always integrating different layers of outside and, and usually climbing. And then they introduced me to this whole idea of racing and racing as a part of a team. And then it all began to start to click, which was the importance of community the importance of that connection outside in our bodies moving. And, you know, I'm sure I'll end up saying more about that, but it put all the pieces together for me that feel like a big part of health and emotional wellness and health for us in the world. So um, that's when I, <laughs> I go back to my red bike in the woods, my townie and think that's where it started. And it's come a long ways from there. Well, that's a brilliant way of looking at it. I mean, that's, when I'm having my worst moments on the bike or on my feet, for that matter, I have to remind myself to run or bike like a kid. And I think yeah. of, you know, a lot of Albert Einstein quotes with him selling down the road on a bike. And uh, yeah, it yeah. kind of takes you back to that that first red streamer bike for all of us, doesn't <laughs> it? <laughs> oh, completely. It's, it's, and it's, I think it's so good for us to remember that feeling of well, that freedom and that that whole space. Oh, for I mean, that's what keeps it fun, right? If we don't keep it yeah, fun, we're it. not going to keep doing it. And uh, we do need to be moving. We were put on this earth to move. <laughs> so, well, I think that's huge. We we miss that part of like we are historically creatures that are built to move. So, yeah. I won't go into that too far, but I definitely agree with you, Cole. Well, I'll pull your more on that in a bit. Um so okay, you're into racing. You're you're starting to take it more serious. Well, what drew you over to the endurance side, and then what what is what got you to Leadville? 
you know, I really think it was a challenge from that same group. Like, you know, this is the craziest thing you could possibly do. I'm like, it's the craziest. Well, that sounds interesting. I want to, I want to check that out. And I, at that point, honestly, we probably started talking about it right in that similar time frame. And I hadn't looked at, at that whole world of kind of pushing the edges and doing larger, longer rides. And I have always been better over the long haul versus like a sprinter in anything I do. And so somebody put that on there and I was like, you know, I was already in my head thinking, I think I want to ride solo for 24 hours. I think I want, you know, those things were already starting to crop up. And then somebody's like, well, mm -hmm. Leadville, magic word for me, didn't matter as soon as you said Leadville. And then 100. And I'm like, well, that sounds fun. And I didn't go there first, but I, that became kind of in the backdrop of my head of like, well, that sounds like it fits for me. And, and it also sounded like a pipe dream. It sounded like that might be crazy, you know? Um, and little did I know that it would actually become something, it was perfectly me. Like it really was something where I could be out on my bike for eight, nine, 10 hours and just be me and the bike and all the things that would happen there. And so, um, yeah, I sort of migrated. I'm, I'm kind of missing where you want me to go right there or what the first part of that question was. But I think that conversation about when to, or about that race series really started with those same group of people who are still in New Mexico, I want you to know. <laughs> and maybe next year, a couple of them are actually going to tackle the 100, which is how that sort of evolved. I mean, so that's fun, perfect. But, Have they tackled it yeah. yet? No, they got to do the 50 this year. They were actually in to do it last year for the pandemic, um, and I think we're probably ready to go. But then, of course, none of us were able to race last year, so they pushed to next year. Well, um, so And I'm so excited to see them coming up and doing that. It's so cool. So it sounds like now you're inspiring them. It sounds like that might have happened. I'm not sure. I'd have to have that come directly from them. But I think we've we've crossed over, and they were they are some hot shot riders for sure. Some awesome humans. Typically, very fast laps, like you know, 15, 20 mile laps. So watching this group take on the hundred is super super inspiring to me to see them take make that shift um, yeah. into something a, a bigger thing. So yeah. For sure. Now, on that same topic, now, how many times have you taken on the Leadville Trail 100 mountain bike race? And what are some of your favorite race day memories? Yeah. You know, I feel like an infant when I look at some of my friends like Roxanne Hall and Ty and these folks who've been doing it forever. And, you know, I, I've actually been on the start line four times um, only. And it feels like such a small number compared to so many people in my collect collective community here. Um, but I'm so thankful for every one of those four times. And the very first one is, is quite memorable because I didn't have a clue what I was doing. <laughs> I, in fact, in fact, I had a group on Kilimanjaro six weeks before that race thinking this should be fine. I'm just riding my bike for a hundred miles. And I have to say, I, I got it handed to me. I managed to finish and I managed to finish under the time, but it was, <laughs> it was definitely this like. Yeah, don't get too cocky about all this. Yeah, sure. You might have been on a big mountain, and that's a vastly different thing. And I hadn't been on my bike for about six weeks. Basically, I got on my bike a few days before and then thought, okay, I'm going to go ride 100 miles. So that one was rather memorable. Um, and really, largely, again, because of two other humans who showed up to crew me, you know, just being there. And I think that whole piece of what that was like to just have people – give of their time in such a way, you know, and to show up and be a part of that experience and to like watch how that 
funneled through with every one of the racers and all the people out there. So, um, I have another interesting story of not being with my crew person and coming through pipeline and looking and looking and looking through the just hundreds of people. And I'm just trying to get a bottle. Uh-huh. And somebody spots me on the side and they can see me looking. They're like, do you need a bottle? And that sort of, again, that community piece where I didn't know this crew at all. Didn't know who they were, but we traded out bottles. They have mine. I have theirs now. And you know, I got a bottle on the way through pipeline. Again, <laughs> coming back to what's been a theme for me was like, the riding is awesome. What happens to my head at mile 80 is awesome. Like the things that are going on internally are awesome. But that community piece is really hard to put words to and what it feels like to be a part of that bigger picture. Yes. Of what's happening. And just have somebody on the side of the tr- side going, hey, you know, we've got racers. And I think they were even, you know, some pro team or something. And they're like, what do you need? What do you need? And then boom, here it is. And you're off and on your way. And just to watch the people come together around that, I'm like, it would, it sealed the deal for me for sure. Well, yes. I mean, we are all a community, but, and we do talk about how much a family we really are, but yes, mm-hmm. you really do see that come out in all aspects on that course out in Leadville for sure. I think everybody knows, you know, the country they're in, the badness and toughness of it and, and realize yeah. that's what it takes to get through now. So Okay, you were you were acclimating well above the elevation of Leadville, just it didn't work well on your feet, huh? So that that kind of acclimation brought you one of your worst times. Now what are you down to? What's your fastest time out there? <laughs> Again, I feel like such an infant on that piece as well. Like um I think, Cole, my, my fastest time is maybe, it's 920-something, I think, which I have had certainly visions of the sub-9 course a few different times. One of them was last year. One of them, you know, there's a bunch of different reasons. Um, but it's an awesome sort of goal. It's like I went from an 11.15 to a 9-something in my second race, yes. which felt pretty darn good. You know, after I realized that I should ride my bike a little bit, it did help. For the following year. Oh, for sure. And, <laughs> and you're that I couldn't just come off of a mountain. What's that? Well, you're much too humble too. You you gotta not worry about this infancy. I mean, even I feel it's funny you bring that up. I even feel the same way. So I have this 39 year history at the race. I have right. infancy of four runs or four finishes, yeah. five attempts. Yeah. In the bike yeah. race, I have more than that, but I mean, it yeah. took me seven attempts to get under nine. So yeah. I don't think you're an infant at anything. I think you're a crusher at a lot of things. And and you spend other time with us, and we're going to get into that in a second. Let's, uh, let's talk about other mistakes. I love that Kilimanjaro story. Um, what other close calls have you had out there? Have you had any DNFs out on the course or big injuries? You can talk about Roxanne on big injuries too. She's had a right. few. It's the first stories because they're the best. Yes. Yeah. You know, I have been so really blessed. Like I did. So my last, I think my last ride, I was actually really close to my sub nine. And this is a funny thing. And it's something I definitely want to talk about. And I talk about, I coach now a little bit in addition to some other things. And, but I think, one of the things I talk about with the athletes I've worked with is 
the flats. And it's so funny because we think the flats are incredibly just, let's just get through it. And maybe it's even a head game because you don't want to be on the flats. So there's a couple of spots in this course that are pavement. You're coming back. You're tired. You're in a headwind, et cetera, et cetera. And I talk a lot with, with my athletes and even in other venues that I participate in now with the course um, around working together as a team in some of those sections. And sure enough, I was pushing hard for my sub nine. I was on course, on target. and I was working hard with the team that I had put together, talking with them prior to kind of coming into pipeline aid station. You know, by by the time you're coming inbound, you're really conscious of who you're riding with. You've at this point sort of picked out who you've been hanging out with throughout most of the course. And so we had talked a lot throughout the course. We had our team together. And I talked about this from the perspective of you're drafting, you're working together to get through that wind and not burn yourself up before you come to the power line climb. Um, and it's really important. And I talk about this a lot because of where your mindset is, because of the mileage. It's funny how much energy we can burn in this part. So I'm working hard with the team and we are flying down the flats. And sure enough, myself and one other person click handlebars oh. and like five of us go down. Oh, God. Um, yeah. And it's a funny thing because mountain bikers don't generally draft. You know, that's not our that's not our forte. We don't go to, you know, a lot of road biking school unless <laughs> that's how we train. So we're not road bikers. We're not out on the course a lot of times drafting. And and the and this group, we were we were moving quick. And it was just one of those moments. And I was on target and feeling great. Boom. And you're just you're not only down, you're down at a high speed, but you're down on asphalt. And it doesn't matter. I mean, you could be on power line and be down on rocks. It's gonna have a similar impact. But this moment was just that crux like bike was twisted up, <laughs> cameras twisted up. Oh, God. All of us were trying to get back on the bike. And, um, and, and I got back on and then realized that my handlebars were askew, that I was trying to ride with them at like a 30 degree turn to the left. And I'm like, Oh, I must've hit my head too, because I wasn't really thinking very quickly. But of course your, your whole energy at that point is go, go, go. It's in the game. It's in the zone. And then all of a sudden you're ripped out of the zone, sort of like being ripped out of rim sleep. Um, so I actually had to stop. Um, some guy was on the side of the road, looked at me and said, are you okay? And I'm like, I think so. Your bike doesn't look okay. And at that point realized and kind of fixed things. And it was a very interesting sort of like, I couldn't get myself quite back in the game the same way. I was shooken up by it. I was safe. I hurt my shoulder a little bit. It wasn't crazy. It was not a Roxanne story. And I hope you listen to this Roxanne because a lot of love to you. Um, you know, it was not an epic break my leg before race day kind of story or on the course. Um, but I shook myself up bad enough and I, I certainly ripped something in my shoulder that was just enough, um, that my game was not the same from that point forward. And it, it certainly gave me some information and some ways to think about things moving forward as well in terms of how closely I put my handlebars next to the person that I'm riding with, yeah. but just how we work together in those teams, you know, it's all a learning experience, but that's probably the next one that shows up in, in answer of your question. Well, yes. Um, I would love for you to expand on how Leadville has uh, shaped your life beyond race day. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. Like I had a lot of really interesting and, and some really challenging events in the last three or four years of my world that allowed me, I, I look at it now as sort of the privilege of being able to step away from everything and re-examine where I was in the world and what I was doing and, Leadville was instrumental. Like my community here was instrumental in 
that place. And, and as I've alluded to, I have felt a kinship with Leadville since I was young. And I now understand that better. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with, I've always loved the Arkansas Valley and partially because it's a, a mixture of farming and mining and this rich history that's here. But it's also, yes. you know, my family, while I grew up in Wyoming, my family, my grandparents and whatnot were all in Oklahoma. And it was all very much a working community, small town working community. And the ethics and the, the work ethic, the integrity, the how do we show up for each other? I think that's a piece that I found here in Leadville. And it's as I kind of spend more and more time, I have developed a very strong, you know, family, my own family in this community, um, very much so. And it's this match. It's this absolute precious match of we're just humans. We're just real people working every day, doing our life, work hard, play hard, take good care of each other. And that has just added to the shape of me. Your question is, how has it shaped me? Yes. I think it's allowed me to, to show up as my truth in a, in a bigger way because I just feel so aligned with what's, what's in our community, what's in our backyard. So it's been pretty incredible, again, symbiosis. Well, I, I didn't really realize about that Oklahoma work ethic. Where in Oklahoma <laughs> did that come from? Yeah, that, that um, my family is all sort of in the little bit, east of the panhandle area okay but we we still have a ranch and farm down there in the family so and that's something that i have a kinship with when i'm in this valley you know that farming community that very much salt of the earth that's what i i relate with well that cowboy father of mine his roots his work (laughs) ethic my work ethic they all came from shawnee oklahoma so that's very relatable for sure yeah, it sure is cool. Now, have you done any other Leadville Race Series events? Well, you know, I have actually, and I didn't start with the 100. I think I did the 50 first. And if I recall correctly, I was trying to remember this the other day for some reason. Um, I think that same year that I did the 100, I don't think I was in the 100. I've never, I've never been in the lottery, um, which is kind of a gamble, I guess. And I didn't actually ever intend, it wasn't like some game with myself to see if I could just get a coin and get in because I raced, but it's worked out that way. And I did the 50 first and it was one of those moments called, I had no idea what I was in for. You know, I since know the course immensely differently than I did that first time, same as the hundred, but I did that race and I think I went to Killy right after that race, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> but, and then I wasn't on my bike. So I had done a little bit of biking getting to that point. But I'll tell you what, I still came up that, that last time on up, up, Upper Sherman, our fourth climb to 12,000 feet. And I'm like, what the heck is this? Like the road does not look as nearly steep as it is. And so by the time I got down, I was like, thank God I completed that. Right? I, <laughs> I was very much in the ballgame of, you know, not how well can I do? Can I improve on my times? Just thank God I finished it. I did it. And so I actually ended up getting a coin that trickled down in that particular race that allowed me into the hundred that year. And that moment was better than, a, it's almost as good as any podium I've ever had from that point forward, which is kind of an amazing thing to say. Like it was not planned. I didn't know I was going to do that. And then there it was. And so, yes, I've done that one. 
and shared an extra story about that. I've done the silver. I think I've done the silver rush probably as many times as I've done the hundred. And then I've also done the stage race and was there for its inception. And that is probably one of my other great loves of these races is that just because it spread over three days, it's a great chance to kind of re-engage with the course before you come out for the hundred. But it's also this time when, when the field is smaller, you're out there and the people on the course, you know, so many of them. And so you're out there just really enjoying those three days together in a backdrop that of course is, is incomparable. So yeah, I've gotten to do a few of the other races. Um, yeah. Boy, I love that camaraderie, the stage race, but I tell you, I love working it. And I think you all are champions for day in and day out beatings where I, I'd just like to get it done with for sure. Uh, but the Silver Rush, you know, I I just, the Silver Rush, I know that the hundreds are bread and butter, but I love that area because it's so uh, barren yet beautiful with our minds. It has the wildflowers. It has all these things that the, mm -hmm. the West Side just doesn't seem to offer. Do you feel the same or do you feel any more of a kinship it's to funny. that east side oh completely i live on the east side and i live just below eleven thousand feet and it is my absolute love and um when i ride you know i'll go ride parts of the course just because we can't you know i'll go ride parts of the hundred just because we can but i predominantly stay on the east side and do versions of the 50 on most of my rides because those climbs are just so spectacular <laughs> and challenging you know there's some challenging parts to it it's not an easy course Oh no! Um, but it's it's really rewarding. I just yeah, I definitely have a stronger kinship with the East Side, um, and you know, to to bump back for a second, I I don't know. Um, I I have also this year was my first year of getting to do the marathon, also on the East Side. Yeah. Um, and that again, like that's been a whole epic thing in and of itself. But I think, you know, what I find is those pieces on the East side are very much, um, and it's part of, the, it's part of the mining piece. It's part of that, that rich mining history. Like I love riding in and out of all those mines on the East side. Um, and feeling the energy of that history, I think is part of it. And yeah. it's just spectacular. And then you get to view across the Valley, which is also good. So there you go. Yes, it's very incredible from many aspects. Now, and back to this, uh, I'll go back a little bit here too. So you saying you're an infant in participating in all that. You've been a competitor, but you've also had a history of volunteering, both with the race and the, and the Leadville Trail Legacy Foundation. What fuels that passion? <laughs> um. You know, I think that's a really interesting question because it's not one that I have probably sat down and go, why do I want to do that? Um, and I think largely, A, I'm an advocate of, of the Legacy Foundation. I'm an advocate of because of what it does for the community. And any way that I can put back into my community just feels like that's how I was raised. That's, that's intricate to who I am. Um, you know, I've got 10 years of fire service as well. And, you know, those are parts of the way that nourishes me is to be connected into my community and supporting my community. And, you know, I think I've had some, some time managing 
couple of aid stations and different things like that on different course days. And it's a different way to be a part of the race and to watch all these humans challenging themselves and, and coming up against goals that they've set and putting it to the test and um, bringing it out there and just being out there and, and being a part of supporting them and encouraging them. I Like, again, I'm not sure words explain what that feeling for me at least is like. You know, I volunteer my time to guide on the camps and it's the same thing. It's not like there's something magical about getting to spend time with people who are really working hard at the goal that has been a part of their world for sometimes a year or two years, sometimes longer. And to be a part of that journey and just to have a sliver of that moment with them, I think any of those places and to contribute into that in many ways, it's just, it's incredibly inspiring. You know, it's incredibly elating. It's incredibly energetic and just to join in that energy again in any way that's possible i love it and i don't know that i'm putting it into words well to be honest Um, words don't translate that well uh i've often written yeah i've often tried to write about my experiences or talk about my experiences as sweep and when i was cocky and and following the person that shouldn't make it to that line that's been yeah. my life's inspiration from those days forward. Um, seeing right. seeing everybody like me drop out and this person that we would say is normal champion this abnormal goal go so far beyond themselves. If we could all just take a little bit of that away, absolutely. Um, and you're also involved in the community beyond the Leadville Race Series. Um, <laughs> coaching girls on bikes for one. Can you tell us a little more about what's taking up your time there? Well, that, you know, that has been an absolute pleasure. And I am coaching our our sixth to eighth grade Devo team. I got invited into that. And again, I felt such a privilege that somebody reached out and said, hey, Tamara, would you help us out with this? And, And to have that opportunity to be a part of this young group of of mountain bikers coming into and, and preparing them for the high school team, but just being out on bikes with them again, I'm back to, I'm back to being eight myself and 10, 12, 14 myself and streamers coming off my handlebars and, and all the smiles that we can have. But at this point, you know, I also get to jump in and be a part of shaping how they're, how they're connecting and relating with each other and with their bikes, you know, and, and thinking about um, how they get to, show up in the world. Like we talk a lot about who do we want to be on bikes and how do we want to lead the way. So I get to do some really cool stuff with these kids and just go play with them at a minimum of three hours a week and sometimes a little more. So, you know, we did pedal for the park recently and I got to ride with my kids all day long, which was super awesome. And just watch these kids be on fire and excited about what they're doing. And yeah, it's super fun. You know, I get to be involved at that level. Um, And yeah, love it. Super fun. Well, you even brought some of those kids over to me for donations, I think. So, and you seemed pretty excited about that aspect of the work as well. Um, oh, it's so fun! And to see them leading the way in that, and to see them get excited—you know, they're trying to raise money for their pump track—and and to see them out there doing it, it's not just the adults raising the money for them. You know, they're putting something in their backyard that they care about that helps them get better at what they're doing. With their blood, sweat. Yeah, with their blood, sweat, and tears. Yes. That's right. Well, so, and we seem to have a really uh, ongoing theme here with you with 
mental wellness, athletic events, and being outside. And I think that's a, a platform for you. I'd like to give you a little more space to talk about. Thanks, Cole. Yeah, that's, you know, from the time I was 19, I was, you know, I, I lost a parent at a young age and she was a marathon runner. And she, I think a lot of when she was able to run really balanced her life. And I've looked at things through that lens of my mom. And very oddly, I was actually going to college for chemical engineering and I got to undergrad and somebody said, you got to go check out this place called the Adventure Center at Pretty Lake. And so I think I was 18, 19, I'm not sure, somewhere in there. Like it was very early on when I got to school and I got out there and I instantaneously fell in love with this idea of, you know, that was a ropes course experiential education facility. And I, at a young moment right there in my life was like completely smitten, you know, like here's where I belong. I need to be outside with people. And that began to shape the way. And it would take a number of years for me to find all of my language around what I have grown to believe strongly, which, you know, we wrestle today, the level of anxiety, depression, just different kinds of struggles that we face with our culture. Um, I think it's deeply rooted in, in something we alluded to earlier, which is that we're not nearly as mobile as we were meant to be, that our brains, our bodies, if we go back historically, are meant to be mobile. And we find ourselves tasked with much more sedentary jobs in a lot of ways in order to make all of the things work in the world. And so, you know, and in our world today, very different from prehistoric times where the immediate threat was dinosaur, tiger, whatever. Okay, there it was. It's gone. Now I move on about my day. We face kind of delayed threat all the time, whether it's work, stress of whatever sort, if it's school, if it's parenting, if it's bills, if it's financial, if it's, you know, there's so many layers of delayed stress. And I think what I've come to realize and spent a lot of time actually oriented around in the last 10 to 12 years is looking at the impact of stress on the body and recognizing the very clear delineation of the impact of movement. So movement, connection with humans, and being outside. That's that's sort of my trio paradigm that I think about a lot in terms of health and emotional wellness. And so, you know, I've been sort of working my way. It's, it's kind of interesting to watch my trajectory, but I have been involved outside in some capacity for the last 30 years, working with humans, helping them find their bodies themselves in, in whether it's racing, athletics, you know, mm if it is just emotional wellness of, we get off skew because of our world being so, um, I think I think because of all those threats I just spoke about, our whole world becomes about survival. And it, it's not so linear as the old tiger chasing me. It's very abstract. And so we all of a sudden have to put off wellness. We put off these things like exercise and self-care we end up eating food that doesn't match for us. And so, mm -hmm. you know, my world has slowly been building to where it is in this moment of really being able to be hopefully intricately involved with humans, even on just small levels around that health and wellness. And I think having goals, like whether it's a race or it's a, a ride you really want to do, whatever it is that keeps you moving and in your body, um, I go back to my mom and I recognize very clearly that part of what, kept her balanced until she departed this world was her running. And I had wondered about that since I was a kid. Like I've wondered, gosh, I like you better when you run mom, you know, like those are some old thoughts that were there and, and they fueled me into a master's and into a doctorate. 
around that area of impact of stress on the body um, and understanding what the outlets of actually moving our bodies and being connected with humans we like while we're doing it and how that fuels health and wellness. So yeah, those are just a small taste of something I could go on about for hours. Well, I love that small taste. Now let's talk more about your trajectory. Um, I've dropped some teasers, but uh, a really exciting part of this piece, and I've made our listeners wait. Another reason I have you here today is your trajectory has landed you in a new role, and that happens to be one with the Leadville Race Series. Why don't you tell us what's going on? (laughs) Uh, it, it almost brings me to tears to think about the symbiosis. Again, I'll just keep using that word of kind of arriving here. I was thinking about it on a very quick run this morning. Like, here I am in my backyard on this 160-acre piece of property in the middle of the Empire Valley. I'm going to get this run in with my dogs, and then I'm going to get to go down and do something I'm really loving doing. And I want to just caveat this with I'm on day 10, so, you know, it is early, but I <laughs> feel very privileged to be sitting um, in the role of the new race director slash event manager, however we want to look at that for the Leadville Race Series. Um, and that, I is it blows my mind. I'm still sort of like, how did I get right here in this moment in some, in some periods? And it's not without certainly taking on a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot that goes with this job, but that's sort of the big punchline, I guess, here is all of a sudden all of this has led from being a kid, being connected with Leadville, to a moment where I feel like, oh, my gosh, I get to have connection with a much bigger group of people now than I was able to touch before. I'm you know, still coaching a little bit, or at least I am in this moment. Um, you know, and I kind of am departing from that coaching and now stepping fully into this role and, and getting to play this part of cheering on, championing, encouraging all of these humans who are showing up to our races, but also connecting into that emotional wellness and health and the way that that all comes together Jesus Paul I couldn't even I couldn't even dream this well it'll make me real emotional too um you hear me say a lot of times and my dad and Mary Lee that uh, we know Leadville was founded on the backs of strong women um baby doe the unsinkable Molly Brown Mary Lee was our race director for all those years um, you're certainly that, that tough, strong woman that can champion this. And, um, you know, being the son of the, the founder, um, I definitely think you are where you belong. And it's a, a good follow-up to what we've had. Tim was definitely great, but the roles with where it belongs, I truly believe that. And I can't wait to see what happens. Um, thank you Cole absolutely just one piece there that that feels huge to me is um, just saying thank you like I feel like yeah there 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 are a lot of strong women led the way and just I I said to Mike Nelly who is our VP of operations who's been really helping me in this transition I said to him the other day I said it didn't even occur to me and this will choke me up (laughs) that I would be the next woman stepping into Marilyn's bowl. And I'm like, whoa, those are some mighty big shoes to try to take on. <laughs> and I'll, I'll be working closely with her and taking her thoughts on that along the way. But it's a really, it is a really inspiring, but also just honoring place to stand. 
So I just want to throw that in there. Thanks. Well, thank you. And so to further that too, um, and to be a little lighter, <laughs> I hear the Leadville Race Series has uh, got a proud new partnership with Gina and the Trail Sisters to get more women on the trail on the running side, get more women on our trail on the running side. And I know this is a challenge on, on both the running and biking side. Um, so I'd like to ask, is this a challenge that you will look to grow on that mountain bike side as well? Oh my God. Yes. You know, in any way that, I mean, one of my visions, I want to just, I want to support something you said. I, I sat down with Tim, I sat down with Rich and, and the humans who have held this, this race series prior to me have done a magnificent job and they have worked hard at all the pieces. And I've said to both of them, if, if I step into this role, I'm just picking up the torch where you dropped it off. And I hope to take it the next mile or two. And that's really how I feel. And one of the big pieces of that, as we all know, we still look at the numbers on the, on the athlete participant side who register and our numbers of women comparatively to men are still, you know, a very striking comparison. And I'm a hundred percent here to champion, whether it's the young girls coming up, all the way to the women who say, I've never done anything like that. And I, I would like to train for that. And I'm 100% in to see how we can connect, you know, with our new partnership, but also in our community, in our backyard, all around, and really open those doors more and more and more. The only way forward is through. Absolutely. And also with your new role, uh, how else do you think you can help your Leadville family and the Leadville Trail 100 family? Uh, how- and, and how do you think you can shape their lives beyond race day? You know, this is a, just a tiny question, Cole. Thanks. <laughs> You're small. welcome. But I will be very honest and say that that, that to me is one of, the, one of the draws. I thought about this job a couple years ago when it was available. It wasn't the right time for me. And, and let's, to be very transparent, I think, and this is something that I hope to bring every day to my place in this, is that transparency, which is, there's some fantastic things about this race series. Absolutely. And are there things we can improve on? Absolutely. And one of the places that I, I want to spend time, I've made no bones about it. Leadville's my family. It's my home. It's my backyard. And it is my priority. And when I, when I talk about this series, when I talk about anything here, it will start there. Right next to that is actually digging into the community and saying, tell me. Tell me how this is impacting you and working closely with our community to open doorways and communication. What needs to be, what needs to be fine-tuned? What needs to be thrown out and started over? I want to hear some of these pieces. I can't attend to every one of them, but I want to start the conversations and open them up and, and really delve in. And so I think a big piece of shaping family, shaping my backyard isn't about me shaping, but it's hopefully opening the door that allows us to shape it together. You know, this is a collaborative effort and, The only thing I want to try to do, you know, and to carry on from where Rich and Tim left off is to open those doors more and to continue to make available myself to what are the impacts? Because on the flip side, we we have a lot of people show up in town that has an impact. You know, there's some different layers to this and there's wonderful benefits of that. And there's other sides to that. And these are things we have to face together, I think. And I want to champion how we open those pieces up. And I want to continue to champion every human who's like, wow, I really want to see if I can do that thing. Wow. I don't know what that's like to start at that start line. So, um, and continue 
to embrace this idea of family. I come from that background. My whole world in Oklahoma, whether, you know, I didn't grow up there. I grew up in Wyoming. But I come from that, that backdrop of once family, always family. And wherever you fit in that family, we work together at these things and we stand up for each other and we take care of each other. And so that's how I hope to contribute and just continue to open the doors of collaboration around how we shape this together moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, speaking of family, I'd like to ask you, what are some of your more memorable moments of mine? What are some of your more memorable moments of Ken and Mary Lee? You know, my very first interaction with them had nothing to do with me interacting with them, but just witnessing them. And I think from that point forward, I could feel at the Silver Rush from the start to the finish, I could feel the bigness of what they were trying to to open the doorway to and bigness in the sense of the genuine authentic we want to create family here we want to create a feeling of you belong you are welcome and we live in a world where that's not our everyday that is just not how our western culture operates it's very individualized it's very independent we're moving we're shifting but when i first saw and heard just the opening pieces around crew meetings and you know, Ken and Marilee giving their, their welcoming and welcome back, Leadville, welcome back family. I felt something, a strong kinship with those sort of tenants from the very beginning. And, and that's my first, you know, hit with them. And it has stayed tried and true all the way through. Um, they're a force to be reckoned with. They're strong, <laughs> you know, they're incredible, incredible, incredible presences. Um, and I didn't know, you know, I didn't know the intricacies of kind of the changes and shifts that happened throughout, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, all those different pieces. All I know is they're here. They're a part of um, developing, creating this place for people to come and be a part of a bigger, a bigger thing. And I think part of why that's important to me is I've been trying to figure out um, – where my place is in a way that is a part of something bigger than me. And they spoke to that and they have spoken to it. So I'm not sure I'm giving you, I have tons of interaction and direct moments, but I feel like the thing that struck me and strikes me is what they have been and continue to create and embrace this idea of family. And it hit me in the core. It hit me in that heart place that Leadville did a very long time ago. So that's sort of my, my big picture, I'm striking with a dozen funny stories about Ken, no doubt, your dad. Um, and Marilee kind of holding it all together, you know, sure. on the flip side. <laughs> <laughs> and But at the same time, I think what rings true is that piece, and it's held true for me always. Well, so if we go back to that family piece, and mm-hmm. uh, you've got, you know, these other people here that you're championing, the ones that, you know, want to know, you know, can I do that? I'm going to sign up. What what advice do you have for those people to get them to that line? Um, to get them to the line, so before actual race day, just, I guess, I'm thinking about, um, there's so many different pieces. And from a coaching perspective, I talk a lot about the headspace that we need to really get into endurance athletics. I talk a lot with folks about what drove me initially. You know, I talk about um, certainly how I got there, but also part of part of my engagement with endurance is around 
working with my own headspace, working with my own, you know, it's as much about headspace as it is about all the other pieces. So I talk about that a lot with folks and, and really getting to know how your head works when you get tired, when you get hungry, when you get, you know, fatigued and, and are you done or is it that you need to put fuel in your body? So I talk a lot about that headspace and getting to know and understand yourself and in your different sort of levels of stress, not stress. And let's just face it, training and showing up the start line and, and moving forward on one of these races is stressful. It creates a lot of impact on the brain and the body. From there, there's some really specific things I can speak to. You know, I think about pacing and not going out harder than you can maintain. I talk a lot about um, very specific things from a coaching standpoint, you know, that I can certainly get into if we have the time. But fuel, knowing your body and how to fuel your body, knowing your body, how to hydrate and how to take care of these pieces are really huge, huge elements. Thinking ahead. You know, I know I've got power line on the back end of this 100, 100 mile race. And yeah. power line is no joke. It's for real. And it's for real, particularly if, because of where it comes in the race. You know, we can look at it from the outside and go, what's that? That's a cross country race. It's really not that big a deal. And then we realize what comes together with altitude, length, endurance, time on the bike, fatigue, you know. And then I come back around and here I am with this last giant climb. <laughs> they certainly climb after that on the road. But this one in particular, it happens at a time of day for most people when if it's warm in Leadville, it's going to be the warmest part of the day. There's certain parameters. So I'm thinking about fueling. I'm thinking about hydration before I get there. I'm not sure how specific you want me to get, Cole, with those kinds of pieces. No, that's great. Uh, now, something a little different, too. We don't usually talk about crew as much with the bikes. I've done it a lot more at the running Um crew info do you think these people need one and how important do you think that is <laughs> it's very funny that you asked that question so that story i was telling you earlier about when i didn't find my crew and i got a bottle handed up to me which was just and that was the exact fuel i needed was to be just to have the support mm -hmm. i never saw my crew person on that particular <laughs> race and at that time i had one person I was in a big learning curve. I had one person. I did not see her until I was inbound at Powerline. <laughs> so I didn't see her for the majority of the race. And the only reason I saw her at Powerline, she had to talk her, you know, she happened to be the mayor of the little town I was in. So she has some political skills and got herself to actually get me a bottle at that point because she hadn't seen me all the way through. And she was feeling horrible that she hadn't been able to see me. To that point, I think crews are important. And what's also important right alongside of that is working with your, with your rider, your athlete, to be clear about how you're going to connect up. But I do think crews are important. I've also done these races without crew. I've, you know, our aid stations are pretty phenomenal. Our volunteers are pretty phenomenal. If your stomach can digest whatever we put out on the table, it's a pretty phenomenal setup. The advantage of the crew is you get your specific needs met. Like, we all tend to have different di digestive tracts, so what kind of fuel we use I do encourage liquid fuel is really specific to what our digestive tract can handle. So on one side, our aid stations are phenomenal. The amount of volunteers that we have show up for these events is absolutely incredible. And they work hard and they work hard from the get go. They get you through fast. They're standing there with pictures. They're ready to fill you up. So if you can do that, you can actually do this race without a crew. However, I think what the crew brings to you is that feeling of home. They bring that feeling of family. They bring that feeling of, I'm okay. Even though it's mile 75, 
and I feel like I'd like to kill everybody or I'd like to quit or I'm just in tears because my mind has just gone to hell. That connection in that moment with your crew can be the very thing that, that pushes you forward. And it's dynamic. And what I will say about that is love your crew. Love them well. Take good care of them. Get them some extra things before you come to race day. Get them some shirts, some very big banners they can fly so you know who they are and you can find them in the crowd. But take good care of them. These are special humans in our lives that they sacrifice quite a lot. And a lot of that has to do with what they sacrificed the year before when they don't see you because you're training. They don't see yeah. you because you're out getting prepped. And, and it is about you in a lot of ways for that year in order to get to that point. So crews are important. I think, I think if you can make it happen, it is a dynamic part both from what they can give you support-wise as well as just that, that energetic push, that energetic you're okay, they've got you. And that feeling is incomparable also. That is a great way of putting it. <clears throat> now, what do you think of when you hear the word Leadville? I think of home. Great I'm answer. I'm just going to leave it right there. I'm just going to leave it there. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with these people, your family? If they manage, if they manage to listen all the way through that call, <laughs> <laughs> that was an endurance run too. No, I come play with us. Come visit our backyard. Step up to the line. It's all about stepping in. It's not about anything beyond showing up at the line. I look forward to seeing you out there. I look forward to sharing that experience with you. I will be there. You will see me, and I will be cheering you on. Well, perfect. Thank you very much for your time today, and we'll see you at home. We'll see you in Leadville. Well, thank you, Cole, and thank you for the privilege, very much a privilege to be here with you. Thanks so much. Well, there you go. We hope you've had a great hour getting to know your new Leadville Race Series director, Tamara Ginlink. And if you like what you've heard, don't forget to give, give us a subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts. Aside from that, we'll see you at home. We'll see you in Leadville. <laughs>